Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Latch Mama Podcast. For those of you who are joining us for the first time, the Latch Mama Podcast is for everybody in the trenches of parenthood, especially those early days um, that are tough and long. We are here for you. Today, we are going to be talking to our favorite guests that just keep coming back because we love them so much. Um, Our favorite pelvic floor therapist. So stay tuned. You're listening to the Latch Mama Podcast. I'm your host, Melissa Wirtz busy mom of six and owner of latchmama.com. Join us each week as we talk about pregnancy, breastfeeding, postpartum, and all things motherhood. Hi, guys. Hello. Hey. Welcome back. Thank you so much for having us. Um, I know it's a really long trip across the river for you guys in the evenings, and (laughs) I appreciate you all coming. You are by far... The people that people ask for the most to come back. And I kind of feel like I just need to hand the podcast to you all. That feels good. Um, I know. It's awesome. Can you guys introduce yourselves and tell me what your passions are? So um, I've been here. I think this is my third Third. visit to Mm -hmm. the podcast. My name is Megan Swink, and I'm a full-time physical therapist at VCU Health, treating pelvic health physical therapy patients and... Within our realm of pelvic health PT, I really love to treat patients that challenge me. So over the years, I've gotten more interested in really being challenged. So I really love a neurological patient that Ooh. challenges my brain and my skills and really makes me think about maximizing that person's quality of life because it's never going to be perfect, but you can do a lot to help them. So that's kind of one of the areas that I think is really tough, but that's why I like it. That's cool. Cool. Uh, my name is Riley Cash. I am a physical therapist, also at VCU Health, <laughs> per my shirt. I don't remember exactly what you said, but my name is no, Riley. No, I love That's it. Long Good job. <laughs> I, I really could have introduced, at this point, I can introduce you guys, but I, I like to put you on the spot. It, it kind of like, we're good. it's like jumping into the pool to get swimming. I love it. You know? Um, I don't love jumping into the pool. Oh, I'm a toe That's dipper. You um, are? You guys are both toe dippers? No, I, I will dive, but I have to yeah. count down with someone. Before like, you jump in? Yeah. It's like the initial shock of you it. You have to do it with, with somebody. I'm a kneeser in her. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what that I means. I don't mean either. Um, okay, carry on with your introduction. Well, my name is Riley. I am a pelvic PT at VCU. Um, I don't remember the second part of the question. Uh, what, what, what brings you passion interest? in life? Oh, what brings me passion in life? Uh, life. Life. I mean, in life, in let's life, just go broad. I feel pretty strongly about sandwiches. I was about ready to say, like, <laughs> I literally was thinking about you all day today. I was thinking about Subway all day today. God, it's a superior sandwich. Although they've changed their sauce, which I have some feelings about, but we won't go into. Um, <laughs> they Hold on. They've changed their your favorite sauce? Yeah, the sweet onion sauce. It is no longer a sweet onion sauce. Is it? It is now a sweet onion teriyaki sauce. Okay. It is not the same. Wow. What I does that wrote. Do? Does that break? It your was heart a traumatic a event. I can't go when there. She found out. Also. I'm not kidding. It do you really remember the day she found out. Oh, did I write it down? No, I, but I there was a story <laughs> and it took several minutes to tell and everyone heard it. So I've heard it's it very four serious. times. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yes. Serious. So we're sad about that. Um, wow. I I know. I really am trying to think about like what type of patients really make me tick. Like you like the neuro patients. Um, I like everyone. Um, I don't see pediatric patients just for the record. Um, but I really enjoy seeing, um, 
I've really been liking bowel patients recently. Um, <laughs> so anybody with any bowel guys. issues, um, they're really like, really like suit my fancy. I don't know if that's a me just kind of getting in the swing of things or I don't know. So I like bowel patients right now. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I just, I don't know. I'm, I'm always so amazed by you all when you show up because, and I say this every single time is like, you all are doing the work. Like you are literally showing up and saying, like by the time somebody gets to you, I would assume in most cases they're coming to you from a very vulnerable spot of, hey, this isn't right. And it's a part of their body that they might not always talk about. And like you just said, bowel stuff, like, hey, like pooping's not going well or like this isn't working well. But that's something that it's hard. Absolutely. And the fact that you meet them there is the coolest thing ever. Yep. I love it. Meet them where they're at. Love Absolutely. it. And sometimes people don't even recognize that things are weird mm-hmm. until you start asking them questions. Um, just trying to get a, like a broad scope of what's going on. And they're like, oh yeah, that is definitely kind of weird now that you mention it. And then you really get into what's really going on, which is what really makes you tick of like really getting to the why behind the what. Yeah. So today we're going to talk about sex after pregnancy and childbirth. You guys game? Absolutely. So game. Okay. (laughs) Um, I'm going to kind of hand it over to you guys a little bit. We kind of talked about it beforehand. What questions do you normally hear? Is sex normally a presenting concern? Is it something you hear afterwards? Or what, what is the most asked question when it comes to kind of that aspect of recovery? I think the two populations of patients who come Mm -hmm. after having a baby, one would come for something other than this problem, but it would just be in our questions of asking them a series of questions, doing a screening exam and saying, have you tried to have intercourse? If it's an appropriate time for them to be coming to physical therapy, they usually are cleared by their medically cleared. And so that patient, we might say, you know, we know you have a urinary problem and you'd like to clear that up, but how are the other things going? And that's when we sometimes find out that they might have pain or apprehension about trying because they're worried that it's going to hurt or they don't feel ready. That's one population. So that's how that comes up. It's uh, physical therapist driven. The other patient might come after having tried Mm -hmm. and essentially failed to have successful intercourse without pain. And then they're coming in. So the, the two different, those are probably the two different groups. Would you agree with that? I agree. Yeah. Um, so you might approach them a little bit differently in what the priorities are, Mm -hmm. but we're not going to ignore any of those patients' symptoms. Everyone's going to get a a treatment, offer of a treatment program. Yeah. We talked a little bit when we started that there's a difference between being mentally ready and being physically ready slash capable. I mean, is that... Medically cleared is a good phrase to use because when you go back for a follow-up, a Mm post-op, or well, not a post-op, but a postpartum check is Mm -hmm. usually what it's called. They are just making sure that there's nothing they're concerned about as far as bleeding or the uterus involuting or anything like that. So everybody's saying everything's on track. You're getting back to quote unquote normal. Mm -hmm. But as we know, getting back to normal is a much longer process than a six or eight weeks. And one thing I will say, COVID has impacted this situation. So Riley joined us during COVID and has been part of our team for over a year now. 
But during COVID times, there were a lot of patients not having any medical exams postpartum. So I would get a referral for a patient who never technically was medically cleared. So I was a little bit more um, on high alert and a little bit more hesitant and asking more medically related questions and looking for things like bleeding or other concerns. But it surprised me that we were not doing those exams. I thought that was important. Mm-hmm. Did yeah. you notice that at all in the um, practice you were at at the time? I don't recall. You, I, that was that was surprising to me because I would say to a new patient, I assume you've been medically cleared or whatever the case is. And sometimes they say, oh, they just saw me virtually. I'm like, did they do a some kind of observation virtually or, you know, no, there was nothing. And so I was surprised, Mm -hmm. but I started feeling like, okay, this is going to be our new normal for a little while. So I did feel like those exams Mm -hmm. were a little bit more, um, a lot more responsibility on me that I not, I wasn't normally prepared for just because there is, there is a level of, you need the medical clearance. So the idea behind the medical thing, they're actually looking at the tissues. You know, they're going to put a speculum in and they're going to look at the tissues. That's not what we do. Yeah. Um, we're using our hands to feel what the tissues feel like. And most of the time, we're not really looking at anything except for the outside. So um, that is a difference for sure. So that's just something that I thought was yeah. really interesting that's, that's been happening. Really fascinating. We're back to doing the exams now. So mm-hmm. I would say it's probably maybe like a two year period mm-hmm. where there was sort of a hiatus going on and i so feel like were, too this is anecdotal and doesn't yeah. necessarily have some something specific to do with sex but a lot i've noticed a lot of times people working from home they're having a lot more like urinary stuff going on urinary urgency because they are so i don't know exactly what the reason is but i think it's a lot some piece of it is that the bathroom is so much more convenient so they're like, oh, I just wow. get up and, you know, walk to my bathroom because yeah. it's two steps away. Whereas at the office, it was, you know, down the hall, take a left, whatever. So then people are sort of noticing and sort of paying attention to things a little bit differently <sighs> with the the whole COVID work from home situation. So they're noticing the convenience factor of okay. the bathroom. Okay. So they'll just go. If they have like an inkling of an urge, like I'll just pop in the bathroom and pee and have this tiny pee and then... And then all of a sudden they're going every hour of the day and they're like, well, it's right there. So what does yeah. it matter? Well, that's not a normal, normal. bladder habit. So yeah. that's what she's saying. Wow. Thank you for clarifying. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's, that's awesome. It's just, it's interesting how COVID has changed things. And yes. Know, and the people who nor like that type yeah. of patient, if you already had an overactive bladder and you're mm-hmm. like, well, I pee before I leave the house and then I drive 10 minutes to target and I go and target before I get shopping. And then before I leave target, I go again because I've been shopping for 15 minutes. And then I go before, you know, I get to the next mm-hmm. door and it's like, you know, they've gone five times in three hours and that's not normal either. But those patients are now coming in and they're like, I'm so relieved. I don't have to go anywhere. I just stay in the house. And so I can pee whenever I need to. So my bladder problem is fine and i'm like oh gosh yeah um well this is going to end someday 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 we will all be out there i believe the covid's going to go away absolutely we're going to be back and that's not going to work very well what if you have to go here what if you need to go there can you go on a car trip you know all these things and they start go oh well sit through a movie sit through a movie Mm. yeah well anything really anything but that has changed too so it can it can follow people kind of in a variety of ways it's fascinating. It's fascinating to me that somebody after something like childbirth is not being seen by a medical care provider, but somehow they're finding their way to PT. Like that's just yeah. They just send a message, and our providers, a lot of them, they know us pretty well. Uh-huh. And there are a couple patients where I wasn't sure mm-hmm. if I should do an exam with that patient. I 
felt like this person had a pretty complex Mm -hmm. delivery or an injury or whatever happened. And I thought, well, maybe I should be cleared. Mm -hmm. So a couple of times I've sent a message. We have the ability to message our providers at VCU. So I was able to do that and then get clearance. And that makes me feel like, okay, I'm covered in my liability concerns Mm -hmm. here that I've been told, yes, please go ahead and examine that patient. And then if I find anything abnormal, I would obviously let them know. So that doesn't happen a lot, but yeah. it makes me feel more comfortable to check in. Yeah. So back to sexy time. Back to sex. <laughs> so, the, um, so do we want to talk about those two sort of yeah. patient populations and what we would do with sure. like, I love the patient that. who comes to PT because they tried to have sex and maybe things didn't, didn't go so maybe well. didn't go so great. Maybe it was, it was a different. Sad, it was a sad day. It was a sad day. It was different than before. Different than before. So why don't you talk about that patient? Um, what do you want? What about them? What would you do? Um, I would ask further questions about what's going on. (laughs) Um, so a lot of times I think what's happening is that people are, um, so we're talking about the first scenario. Sorry, I'm losing my train of thought. Okay. So if I am the patient and I am 10 weeks postpartum Mm -hmm. and I try to have intercourse for the Mm -hmm. first time and it hurts. Mm -hmm. It just hurts the whole time. We stop, can't make it through the whole Mm -hmm. session, hurts into the next day. I talk to my provider. I get referred to physical therapy. Mm -hmm. I come in. What do you need to know from me? My first question is, are you breastfeeding? Um, Because that can pretty significantly affect uh, your hormones and make them things sort of continue to be a little um, different. other questions could be anything. Are you having any urinary systems, bowel systems, all that stuff? Right. Um, what did you try? Let's assume that wasn't the problem. Let's assume it's just the sex problem, just painful intercourse. So the hormone thing is definitely something to think mm-hmm. about. And we do have patients that have like a transient, almost like a transient menopausal vagina. Mm-hmm. And so some patients do try using topical mm-hmm. estrogens or whatever. Because breastfeeding does affect your hormones. Correct. And mm-hmm. it will affect the lubrication side yeah. of yes. of sex and and the tissue the tissues feel different okay they le- they legitimately feel different so once you touch a lot of body parts mm-hmm. over years and years and years <laughs> 16 years later i can tell you that <laughs> they feel different so you can um, tell mm-hmm. normally from a woman's vagina if she's breastfeeding or not not necessarily if they're breastfeeding but i c- if someone comes in with pain uh-huh. and i check that area it's right at the opening so if you're if you're at home and you're listening to the podcast and you're like what part are they talking about if you go to the vagina and you go to the bottom which we call the six o'clock so it's like a circle okay like a clock and straight down at the bottom is our six o'clock usually that's where you're going to find this tissue when you press on it you put just the pad of your finger in Mm -hmm. your thumb if you're doing your own body you're testing your own body just put your thumb pad of your thumb and press down it will feel thin like it won't be a thick tissue. You won't have to have a, it won't transverse a long ways. You'll have a very thin, it can be very poor on the elasticity situation. So it can feel really tight, like a rubber band that's already kind of pulled tight and then someone's pressing on it. So it usually has that kind of feeling to it. The tissue should feel bouncy, elastic, like squishy, Smooth soft. butter. Yeah, it should, pillowy is a good phrase for the tissues. And so I was thinking about like memory foam. 
Like when you first kind of push in the memory <laughs> foam, it's like, oh, it's kind of squishy. And you yeah, so that's what it should it. feel like. Mm-hmm. More okay. like that than a tight elastic yeah. band. Or, okay. or people will describe it when they're, as you're sort of palpating it, they'll say, um, ooh, that really feels burny, stingy, mm-hmm. or okay. like it's a yep. big stretch. Because it's stretched. It's putting tension where okay. there isn't enough elasticity to stretch. Mm-hmm. Got it. Yeah. So... So what are our solutions there? I think first of all, too, I think we want to, I, I, it's important, I think, to say that sex is an important part of life. And so like, just because it's painful, it does not mean you have to live with that for the rest of your life. You know what I'm saying? Like, absolutely. Yeah. I think that normalizing the fact that you can call your doctor or you can do some of this research on your own, um, if it's important to you to do it. You know what I'm saying? I feel like there's so many women after childbirth that are like, this is me forever and I'm broken and I just have to deal with it. And I think that first step of knowing like we're talking about it, like it's the most normal thing in the world or you guys are, um, I'm kind of getting there. Um, <laughs> you do, but, uh, but it's, it's so funny when you talk to somebody who does it for a living, cause it is normal to you guys, you mm-hmm. know, it's like, not normal, but it's common. I didn't. I mean, common. Mm-hmm. I just meant like it's an everyday. Like conversation. you're not going to be absolutely. Yeah, you're not going to be surprised. Mm-hmm. No, right? but I think that helps because yeah. when someone says 100%. that, we go, "Okay, we know yeah. how to help you." And there absolutely. is a huge relief. You can 100%. see it on their faces. They're like, "You can treat this." So mm-hmm. if they you're get not there, if they get there, right. no. we can usually yeah. fix this problem. Mm-hmm. It's usually very treatable. I tell people all the time yeah. when I can see the stress and mm-hmm. you know ang- or the tears or something like that happening yeah. mm-hmm. after we sort of like get in they start talking and you know getting i'm like 50 percent of the battle is over you're here mm-hmm. that's yeah. more than yeah. a lot yeah. so you are doing great mm-hmm. i say that all the time and it's I true love it. it's mm-hmm. true it's 50 percent. it's over so good job i love it yeah the first day could be tough um, yeah. so yeah so I mean in treating the patients and, and you know validating mm-hmm. their concerns mm-hmm. and letting them know you're going to be with them all the way and whatever some people are more independent once you start giving them tools and tips and tricks other people really need to have like that hand holding kind of thing and that's yeah. fine any of those things are fine we let the patient decide what they need for the most part right. and then gradually sort of get them more independent and yeah. you hold their little hand and yep. then they Guide become them. free yep okay. So we have somebody who came in and said that intercourse was painful. What do we, what are some solutions or what can people expect to see happen from there? So if they're coming to PT, we're going to assume that there's something going on with muscles. That's a problem because we are the muscle specialists. We do a lot with other body parts and joints and nerves and stuff like that. But in this circumstance, usually we'd be talking about muscles that are too tight. So we have tools to help stretch the muscles. So a good example of that is a dilator program. So there's a bunch. I know I thought about that on the way. (laughs) There's a bunch of different types of dilators, and you would, if you were doing this for the purpose of penile penetration in a female vagina, you would want a vaginal dilator set. And they come in all kinds of different, like... Hard plastic, yes. silicone. Correct. They start very, yep. very small and yep. get gradually larger. So, like, if you hold your finger up, your little pinky, mm-hmm. some of the kits have a size that's this si- that's this big and this is the smallest size. And there are patients that that hurts to put in a little tiny pinky size. It's not that big to you and me. 
Um, but the next size is usually like an index finger. And so they get progressively longer and wider. And this is happening because there's some sort of imbalance between the muscles and like, can you explain a little bit how yep. things a couple happen? ways, a yeah. couple things, a couple things. So just tightness because of apprehension. So there can be okay. like a guarding response. Think of what happens when you have, uh, when you're sitting at a computer all day. Mm-hmm. So I use this analogy a lot. So when you sit at a computer all day and you lean your head forward and your shoulders start shrugging and then someone comes up and taps you on the shoulder and they're like, relax, relax your shoulders. And you're like, I am relaxed. And then you go, oh, maybe I wasn't relaxed. That same sort of mindless, you know, subconscious mm-hmm. tension that you have going on in that area that your can shoulders, cause a headache your jaw. in your jaw, all those things can happen in the pelvic floor muscles. And so our job is to draw attention to that and give techniques in the same way as somebody might say, oh, do these shoulder drops or shoulder rolls or stretch your head to the side, whatever you would do for that. The same concepts applied to that area. So we would give people exercises, mindfulness, breathing, stretches, so that they can become aware of what their muscles are doing. We do biofeedback, we do ultrasound imaging, all these cool things. Palpation, if we want to do it direct palpation. So all those things and teach that person. That's just somebody who has like a global sort of, I don't know why I'm squeezing my muscles, I just am. Or I'm really worried it's gonna hurt. And so that fear causes the muscles to be like, on guard, we are ready to fight. So when something tries <laughs> to come in, in they're like, yeah. Okay. yeah. So that's sort of what it feels like though. Mm-hmm. So I, I, you know, I think um, that's one way to kind of think about it. Now, if you have somebody who had a tear mm-hmm. with like perineal tear, episiotomies, you know, anything like that other trauma where there's a physical healing of tissue that introduces another level and another thing that we would might need to treat. So Riley, why don't you talk about what we might do to help with like a scar? So if it's scar tissue, so we're palpating Mm -hmm. and we're like, okay, this is not just muscle tension, or maybe it is muscle tension. Plus it feels like a scar, like you would have a scar anywhere else. So we might do some scar work in that area just to try and loosen it up, create a little bit more elasticity. Um, Sometimes you can do a little bit of ultrasound in that area just to um, help I say break up the tissue. It's not really doing that, but just increase blood flow a little bit to help things sort of move and get a little bit more um, bouncy, stretchy. Um, We could do um, exercise, breathing. All of that is still relevant. We also might do get into dilator stuff. Um, Pelvic wands are another option, just depending upon what we really find. Depends if we would do that for a scar or not, but yeah. Um, so a wand is like a curved, like an S-shaped curved item. Again, it can be okay. made out of like a plasticky type of material. It can be made out of silicone, and these are like a handle basically that you hold, and it creates like almost like a finger. Mm-hmm. And does it vibrate? You it can, can get them that vibrate, okay. and you okay. can get some that have hot and cold. Wow, uh, you know, I so like. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Actually, yeah. it's a, it's a, the world of of pelvic wands is growing. It's I was, growing. I mean, you said pelvic wand, and yeah. I mean, yeah, but my, it's not like a straight yeah. stick. So it's okay. not like people will say, "Oh, like a dildo," and I'll say, "No, not a dildo." We're talking about something that is designed to <laughs> okay. curve, okay. so that when you go into the pelvis, you can mm-hmm. curve around to all the different corners and nooks and crannies that are in there because. Okay. The way the pelvic floor is set up, it's it's more like a bowl. 
you come in from the bottom of the bowl and then you got to be able to like turn. And if you're just going straight in and out, you're not really able to get to all the muscles. So sometimes the wand is good. Sometimes the dilators are good. It really depends on the person. That would be our decision. Mm -hmm. Like where are the problems? Mm -hmm. What does the person need? So that would be another thing. And you can use those on scars externally. Mm -hmm. So if you had to massage or you couldn't reach very well, like I have short arms and a long torso. Okay, let's get you a wand. Mm -hmm. Totally fine. Um, That's the same as if you're pregnant and you're trying to do perineal massage and you're like, I can't get around this tummy. What are Mm -hmm. you talking about? down there um <laughs> <You're> <laughs> <nuts. like laughs> yeah it feels ridiculous so um so that extends your reach okay. we say that a lot that sort of extends your reach it provides a tool also sometimes people really like the idea of having like a therapy tool where it feels like this isn't fun nobody wants to do pelvic floor rehab nobody wants to have to do pelvic floor rehab so this is my tool it's not like a, a vibrate it's not a vibrator mm-hmm. for the purpose this of vibration therapy, for fun therapy yeah. time not necessarily like pleasure time. now at some point it could become that once yeah. you kind of get over the rehab section of what we're doing but well, most people don't want to approach it that way yeah. i always i say let's differentiate differentiate initially by this is a therapeutic activity mm-hmm. yes and later this could turn into a sexual activity but yeah. right now it's not it's different and i think sometimes talking okay. about partners with that as well okay. like you're using this dilator or this wand and you're mm-hmm. inserting it vaginally. That does not mean that this is pleasurable. Right. So having that conversation with the partner. So everybody's kind of on the same page that this is therapy. This is not sexual. Um, so I think that is also helpful too. That, that is a huge topic. I, you're, okay. you're look, you no. look like no, you no, no, more no, no, to no, say no. about I'm, no, that. I'm just, no, I don't, I don't have anything. It's just, it's, it's, it's a good it's, topic. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I love it because I think very rarely we actually do things for ourselves and mm-hmm, this yeah. would be something that, you know. But it's hard to explain if you're the person in pain mm-hmm. and you don't really, of course, nobody wants to have to come to rehab. Like you would like everything to be fine and just mm-hmm. it feels good and it's back to normal. And of course, that's we know that's not true for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So it, it's hard to make yourself go to therapy, do the work take time away from your family to do the work. And sometimes explaining all that to a partner is very challenging also. Mm -hmm. So Riley brings up a really good point about some of the other psychological components of this problem. It's not sexy and fun to do dilator training. Mm -mm. It's just necessary. And it is about spending the time with it. Mm -hmm. And we put people on a regimen. We give them how long to spend, what size to use. So you're putting it in there. Do you need to lie down while it's in there? Most of the time, that's the easiest way to relax appropriately, but it is not required. And later on, once you kind of size up to the size that you feel comfortable with, Mm -hmm. that kind of matches your partner, your goal size, then a lot of times I'll say, let's get you into some positions that you would want to use for sex. If you're going to be on your hands and knees, get on your hands and knees and put the dilator in and make sure that feels like okay. Blushing right Maybe now. Standing. It's so this funny. Is, These are just common conversations yeah. you have. But it makes I sense when you, you put all. it on the table, right? And you yeah. go, oh, well, th- okay. Totally makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Why Someone why today, was, especially when it's a bowl, because if you're on your hands and knees, I feel like that's going to affect things differently, right? For sure. You Gravity know? changes things yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Lots of no. different positions yeah. are appropriate. And yeah. people, most people don't want to forever have straightforward missionary sex. Mm-hmm. And that's it. So people want to try other things. So, so we do encourage that, you know, later Mm -hmm. on, Mm -hmm. but yeah, it is, it does take time, but I think also inviting the partners to therapy, if you're, if your patient would like to have 
that piece, you know, that person coming and seeing, this is what it's like when I go to physical therapy, just so they can see and mm-hmm. they can meet the person who's working with their partner and feel like they're part of the process. Mm-hmm. If that helps the relationship or that helps the patient, mm-hmm. we want that for the patient. For sure. So sometimes they really want a partner, other times they really don't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or even sometimes too, if you're like, okay, let's, maybe we're now transitioning from therapeutic activity to sexual activity, but my partner maybe isn't fully grasping that like when you know this area is touched it's very uncomfortable so having a third party kind of show them like this is the area that maybe now we're getting and using the dilator right there specifically to sort of desensitize or kind of train the person that is having the issue and also the partner like this is how we work through this together um, I think that's also helpful. Yes, in that. a way that helps promote like actually improving because if mm-hmm. you, in this population, one of the things that I feel like we say all the time and maybe people don't know is if you push through pain, that's not a positive pain behavior. That's a negative pain behavior. And what we're mm-hmm. trying to do with the dilators is give positive pain, meaning you feel some discomfort, mm-hmm. but you don't push right through it. You back away and you say, okay, this is a large tiger in front of me. I'm not going to yep. run at it. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. going to be bad. I'm going to back away slowly. Mm-hmm. So you see that, you know, that's coming and things are getting more intense. You don't push through because what that does is it retrains your brain mm-hmm. to continue responding with that on guard thing that we talked exactly. about. Mm-hmm. And so we're trying to stop that from happening. So as mm-hmm. the more we can give positive pain, meaning like mm-hmm. I feel that, but I'm okay. It stretches, but I'm okay. And the more you can give them self-talk and say like, that mm-hmm. just stretches. It's not that painful. It's just really kind of weird. That's so good. Exactly. But it, but that's, yes. And that's what we need people to realize is that mm-hmm. like, you have to really be able to identify what that is mm-hmm. and recognize when, mm-hmm. if it is a pain, mm-hmm. that's not a time to push through. If they're struggling and they're hitting barriers, then they're supposed mm-hmm. to come and talk to us and say, mm-hmm. you know, I'm really struggling with this number three dilator. Can you help me? Of course we can help you. Yeah, of course we'll try. Yeah. And we, and we should be able to get through that but that doesn't happen it doesn't happen in a a way with these dilators for example it's not like okay well we spend week on number one and then a week on number two and then it'll be a week for number three not linear always nothing like that so it it is individual is the first thing it is usually Mm non-linear majority of the time right ups downs yeah. plateaus downs. sometimes regressions but usually sometimes regressions i feel like that's true in like all forms of therapy yeah any sort of of like yeah, yes. development in general. Yeah. I feel like we always want it to be linear. We always want to, I mean, I know I do. I'm like, oh, if I put A and B and C together, I will get D. But it's not, I mean, yeah. it's not the way it works, mm-hmm. right? Right. No. And that's okay. Yeah. It is okay. It's good to create the expectation that that could happen also. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> I don't think <laughs> I'm alone beginning. with wanting that to be the goal. <laughs> no, um, no, I don't think you are. <laughs> so... Talk to me about other things that could potentially happen during vagina, penal, I want want to get it right, intercourse besides pain. There are other things that could happen, Mm -hmm. correct? I mean, there could be incontinence. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that would be coital Mm -hmm. incontinence. You can call it coital. Okay. Um, Because there are other things that do come up. Yep. Yeah, Yeah, but that's embarrassing. So someone probably will be a little bit sort of reluctant to fully relax if they were worried about leaking during intercourse. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But there are ways to work on that and to rehab that. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Typically that's an urge related situation. Okay. So it, usually it would be treated the same way as we would treat something called urgency incontinence or urge urinary incontinence. 
Okay. And so we would be doing urgency control strategies. Sometimes it has to do with uh, the nervous system and how the nervous system is being triggered. When you're when you're talking about sex and you're talking about maybe orgasm or mm-hmm. excitability, there is a like your nervous system is a participant in that, and that's mm-hmm. what really helps you switch from the excitability to the actual orgasm, and then the re- and then the relaxation at the end, sort of the res- resolution where you kind of like, Ugh, you know, the end of that. And so that nervous system switch is also a similar switch to what hap- happened with the bladder when you get that parasympathetic, it's called parasympathetic. Mm-hmm. So when your parasympathetic nervous system kind of clicks on, that mo- moves you from like a storage to sometimes a pee situation. It's the same, mm-hmm. same thing, but it's, interesting why it happens in some people and why it doesn't in others and i don't know that i can explain that fully because i don't know sometimes why it's happening in certain patients those patients will typically empty their bladder as much as they can before intercourse to hopefully prevent it from happening Mm -hmm. i was talking um to a patient recently about this exact scenario Mm -hmm. she was having um every time she would orgasm she would pee and she was like, why is this happening? And so we sort of talked into that. But, and really what we got down to also was that she was really holding her breath very hard. So that puts a lot of pressure downwards. Um, and she's also having some weakness stuff. Um, so uh, her homework from me was to um, practice. She also... Per her report, very audible. So her homework. I love this so <laughs> her much. homework for me. Wait, was what did she say? She did not say I'm very I, audible. I what actually volunteered say? it. I said, Oh, she did. Are you? To say. Are is this an audible time in your life? <laughs> oh my gosh, I love you. <laughs> and she was like, Now that you mention it, yes. And I was like, Okay, so I want you to train the yell. So I want you to go home, practice doing like pelvic floor contractions and your abdominal muscles using the right muscles and yell. And so let's work into yelling louder and louder and see if that makes a difference. And she was like, wow, what a good idea. (laughs) And I was like, maybe it'll work. I don't know. I love it. (laughs) But it also pulls back to what I learned last time you guys were here and that like the diaphragm affects your pelvic floor. You know what I'm saying? Like it's all kind of connected. Yeah. So she's like forcing air out and yelling or hollering or whatever she's doing. And creating too much pressure. Exclaiming in joy, (laughs) whatever, Mm -hmm. that it's putting pressure potentially. Mm -hmm. So yeah, in that case, that's a perfect exercise. Good job, Riley. Thank you. That's fantastic. Yeah. I love it. A little out of the box, but I like it. Yeah, I it is. It, it is. Mm-hmm. It requires it a, a good, little creativity. Mm-hmm. But it was a good question to ask. And mm-hmm. that's what mm-hmm. I love so much about you guys is that you ask the questions and then you actually like listen to the responses and try and put all the puzzle pieces together. And you never say, well, that's weird. Yeah. To well, a patient. I hope you don't. No. Yeah. Never say no. that. <laughs> say, I've never heard that before. And then leave the room. Yeah. Um, we Walk don't do out that. in a huff. No. Okay. <laughs> You never look surprised. You just go, all right, let's work with that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, so what else? Sex in the postpartum. I mean, there's a libido issue a lot of times. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's a problem. Mm-hmm. It's and, and like finding time can be really, mm-hmm. you know, so if we're saying, okay, well, you're going to stretch your muscles and then you got to do these breathing things. And then they're like, well, by then the baby's awake and the dog's barking and all the things happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we didn't have time. Mm-hmm. So there's sometimes time issues. So if you can help people make their, you know, foreplay or whatever they're doing for preparation, you know, like, okay, my partner takes care of the child and feeds the baby. And then I go in the bedroom and I kind of do a warm up routine of mm-hmm. some kind. And then the baby goes down for a nap and then 
them we can try those things are really helpful yeah if someone is on board if the whole team is on board that can be helpful i had one patient recently who um they were trying to get back to having intercourse and they have a dog and the dog was barking at them oh gosh and was waking up the baby so every time they tried the dog would that is a barrier (laughs) that is terrible (laughs) and i was like what the dog can the dog not go outside i mean what can we do with this dog like so this is our therapy (laughs) one day let's talk about the dog like we're trying (laughs) to figure out the amazing though i love it she's like she was ready to try and she Mm -hmm. was interested Mm -hmm. but the dog was the barrier oh my gosh what was the solution um she said I think I'm going to take the dog to the neighbors for a little bit. <laughs> that's so <laughs> to grandma's like, funny. That's intense that, that you have to take the dog out of that. Yeah, that's but, amazing. Um, but anyway, she I mean, didn't have, have a libido thing. But yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, we have six and I can tell you dogs? that. No, children. Oh, we have okay. three. We have three dogs. Oh, um, wow. But <laughs> we have we have six children. And I can tell you that like breastfeeding in general, like if the baby had been, if the baby was co-sleeping and been up all night n- nursing, there's no way in gosh darn heck I would ever want to have sex after that and I think that that's an okay thing I mean of course it's okay because it's a feeling and it's valid but I think that there are a lot of women that we've heard from that just expect their libido to be exactly the way it was before even when they're sharing their body even when they're not nursing but they're sharing their body with another thing and everything is different now and yeah it's just it's i remember so i've breastfed two kids and i remember being touched out 100 percent from the breastfeeding mm-hmm. and the touching and then i was like these are nobody can have these uh-huh. <laughs> boobs they're mm-hmm. like i need them back for just a little bit because mm-hmm. i don't like i don't need a baby on them for a little bit like when i stopped breastfeeding mm-hmm. and then i didn't want anyone else touching them for yeah. a little bit because mm-hmm. i just needed to reclaim mm-hmm. myself um so that took a little while to feel not so touched out and then i came back around to wanting the touch mm-hmm. from my partner again but it, it didn't happen easily it wasn't yeah. easy transition that it that was hard i think for mm-hmm. me too so i think recognizing some of the things that we've experienced and mm-hmm. and you, you know i think you use you can lean into that if you've had that experience mm-hmm. um but it, it is that's very difficult because we don't have a lot of direct tools to help someone with libido Um, that ends up being sort of what Riley was talking about with sort of moving from the rehab part to the sexual part and talking about wanting intercourse. And sometimes I have to convince people that when you start having intercourse and you can, and it doesn't hurt, you will probably desire more Mm -hmm. and it will feel better. And if you have orgasm Mm -hmm. and you're like, wow, that was really great. I'm really happy that I did that. That's going to reinforce that. But we don't want people to do that before they feel ready. So Absolutely. there is a, that's a tough conversation. Absolutely. So that kind of makes you lean into other types of therapies too. And, yep. you know, talk, encourage them to talk to, you know, a girlfriend or whoever, or talk mm-hmm. to their partner yeah. and ask for what they want. If they really just need like a shoulder massage and mm-hmm. that kind of touch is what's yeah. going to work them into wanting more touch. Mm-hmm. That should be okay. And that should be okay yeah. to ask for. We are a hundred percent team vibrator in our house because there are times where you just need to get it moving faster than we have time for. Cause we have time a is lot a of huge little issue. kids, but yeah. we've said in past podcasts, cause we podcasted on like the general topic of text of sex a lot because it comes up a lot because there's, the partner aspect of it and there's the should I the shoulds part of it that I think is absolutely mm-hmm. ridiculous that we have any expectations on mothers well, if they don't yeah. yeah what they should be doing yeah. afterwards but 
I, I know personally I have learned that it's almost like going to the gym. Like once you put your shoes on and you get moving, sometimes it feels better, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't normally regret it on the other side, you know? But I sometimes have to get my shoes on and get moving, you mm-hmm. know? Yep. I don't know. I think sometimes too is a lot of, um, you know, giving birth. I have never given birth, but it's traumatic. There's a lot happening. And so sometimes there's this like, this like, okay, I don't even want to think about this part of my body because mm-hmm. it kind of had a weird day. Um, and I <laughs> <laughs> it had a weird 10 months and, and a then weird, a weird, a weird right. day or two days. Right. So I think sometimes, uh, um, mm-hmm. uh, like self touch, not anything, not necessarily sexual, but just like, Hey, this is part of my body and it exists, mm-hmm. um, can be super helpful into starting that process and like getting it going. Mm-hmm. Um, so I always tell people to do that and start there. Yeah. And that brings up um, another like potential population that we do see. And you wouldn't normally think of this as a patient who most likely would be a, you know, painful intercourse patient, but patients with C-sections. Yes. Yep. That was actually, somebody asked us today on the live to mm-hmm. make sure that we yep. included the C-section models so in this conversation. Just because you had a C-section, even if it was planned and you never pushed, um, you can still have painful intercourse after mm-hmm. that is that delivery. from the pressure of or just not necessarily you still carried that baby you still put pressure on the pelvic floor mm-hmm. there's still changes there's still hormonal changes all those things still happen so when we were talking about hormones that's not going to be different from Absolutely. the mode of delivery yep. So that's still a factor. Um, I also think that scar tissue in the abdominal compartment um, is highly related to that problem. And so we do a lot of work with scars. We talked about pelvic scars, but the same would be true of a C-section scar. So we have had patients, and I know I've had patients, I think you have too, where you touch their scar. And they come out of their shoes. Or they start crying. Uh, yeah, okay, yes. That's the one I was Whoa. thinking of. Mm-hmm. Yep. There's tears. Gentle and touch even. Silent crying mm-hmm. where they're like, they don't want you to notice because they're trying to be and tough. And they're like, no, please just do whatever you have because to do. Because it hurts? Right. No, because there's a trauma associated mm-hmm. with it. As far as maybe I never wanted that. I didn't plan for that. Mm-hmm. And it didn't go my way. And the trauma is from the day that, you know. I just, why are we not taking better care of our mothers? The yeah. fact that there's so, like, right. it's just. So it doesn't always so end the way. Hard for yeah, me. yeah. It, it doesn't always end the way you want it to. And so yeah. usually what that means is we take, we remove our hands mm-hmm. from the patient and we sit down. And you have talk, a conversation. Which is mm-hmm. kind of your job, yeah. but kind of. Not your job, which yeah. is but that so goes, hard for me. But yeah. when no, it is our when, job. Absolutely, it is our job, mm-hmm. and we when we feel good about that part of our job. But we would then usually, you know, say let's talk about it, and th- they will cry, and they will be sometimes a lot of tears, and so we just let them. They need to get it out. There's a purging that needs to happen, mm-hmm. and that didn't happen yet. Nobody, maybe no one has Nobody's literally asked them. touched Nobody. or looked at that scar mm-hmm. or sat with no them. one. Mm-hmm. And so they say, I just hadn't, you know, I hadn't really looked at it because I'll sometimes you go, oh, this is really a little tight. Have you looked at this? And then, then you look up and there's the tears. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, so the conversation's important and allowing them to start to release some of that because and then then you go, I know you had a C-section and that wasn't what you wanted. Would you like to talk about it some more or do you have more insight? Would you like to share? Because the detail that people will go into. Uh-huh 
they need to talk about it. And so if you're willing to do it and you're the therapist, I think it's more than helpful to allow that person to like, let all that come out, tell the story, do the birth story. You guys story. are like the most beautiful human beings. <laughs> it's doing really, that. really helpful. But, I mean, just when I said it wasn't your job, I wasn't belittling your job or anything. I'm no, just no, saying no. that like, if the system and the pieces of it worked better or even worked how it does in other countries, like we could do you better. could focus a yeah. little bit more on the pelvic health side of it but people who do what we do fully own that that i mean in the united states like mm-hmm. we know that it's this relationship based. we're okay with it yeah. yes yes it it rebuilds rapport it lets your patient you know build trust yeah. and then they know you're going to be there for them so that's really really nice and then we start working on like you need to touch you just need to look at you it need with to a look mirror. at it in the mirror you need to touch it mm-hmm. when you're ready but different let's start putting our a, hands on the body maybe a towel like a, right. a rough towel or a really smooth towel a warm right. towel cool towel anything yeah like that. yeah just working around it you know whatever we would give them things to do we would give them desensitization techniques but i didn't want to exclude the c-section population because Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. is a population and the connective tissues that are in your abdominal wall Mm -hmm. so if you're thinking about like c-sections that were emergency are going to have a different cut and they Mm -hmm. sometimes cut through muscles if it's they've got to get that baby out now they're going to cut things that they wouldn't have cut if it was non-emergent so the emergency c-section is traumatic because it's an emergency it's traumatic because you weren't ready for that and your brain wasn't prepared for that Mm -hmm. and oh my gosh that wasn't what i wanted and they have mm-hmm. to cut more tissues often. So there's a lot of things and with there's that. the expectation of failure. And then they're yeah. already probably there because something's not working right. And there might be shame or something around that. I just think that you guys do the most beautiful work. Thanks. Literally, you have the hard conversations. And the idea that you would... And I know you say it's your job. But the idea that there's not a clock for you to move forward on like the pelvic health stuff and you'll actually stop and you'll talk to somebody about processing their birth, realizing that it's part of the process of yeah. all of this yeah. is just a really, really beautiful thing. Yeah. And I, I think uh, if you, if you don't do that, you're not doing it. Yeah. And it's a privilege to be a part of people's lives. Yes. yes. I love it. We yeah. ending there. I love it. You guys are amazing. Thank you. <laughs> Seriously. <Anytime. laughs>